When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he was 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, the weekend editions here at Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Mark Cranach uh, is not on assignment. He will be joining us in a moment. He is having his own computer difficulties as Walter has chimed in off the top rope. We love you, Walter. They're late as usual. You know it's bad. Listen, you know it's you bad had, when Brandon Vogel had, is in the green room whenever we're starting the show. That's like, it, it's too bad. I sent out a tweet, and it's uh, it, it's what I wanted to, wanted to do to the studio computer. Uh, Elijah was dealing with the studio computer, and that thing was on all sorts of meltdown. It's probably still Windows ninety eight. I'm not going to lie to anybody, and you got to put a quarter in the machine. Brandon Brandon Vogel is with us from Counter Read counterread.com folks how we doing good to see you thanks for uh for joining us this morning i'm doing well uh absent technical difficulties so far so i guess maybe had a leg up on you to start things yeah i've I've never seen like the computer screen i came in here it's just black and then whenever i turned the computer on like the the classic turn it off and turn it on again windows did not restart correctly what does that mean (laughs) what does that i've never seen that one before so then i gotta go through the restart process all over again we eventually get it right and we have all our our radio production stuff on this that's got to get restarted and booted up and it was a whole thing but we're here we're rocking on a saturday morning that's what really is what's really important you know we made it yeah it's it's important uh we love vogue's popping in uh, and uh talking some ball with us brandon looks at it with the uh, the beer being half full it's Saturday. There's no start time. That's what makes it special and fun. <laughs> uh, good on you, Brandon. Um, so Brandon's asking, is Cranach going to give us a rundown of Daytona? What happened to the 47? I think Eric um, has all that lowdown for us. Got caught up in a late wreck, finished 31st. Yeah, this, was, so. this was brutal. I was I was rooting hard for Stenhouse. He was my adoptive driver last weekend. Thank you, Eric, for, for sending us that jersey again. Uh, and this this was tough. We're talking about, what was it, just over 10 laps to go. Uh, you have the big one at Daytona, and, and Stenhouse had dropped to the back of the pack just a little bit. Um, didn't like how the leaders were racing, I believe is what the team radio said. And uh, he was... Navigating his way through the big one and just got clipped on the back right and ended up getting uh, getting spun, got hit from behind. It was uh, it was tough to see as a guy who really thought he was racing well. He's back up into the top ten, was kind of biding his time all race long. So 
Eric, we were rooting for you. At least I was. I'm not sure if anyone else was, but I was rooting for Stenhouse. The Stenhouse. No, we wanted we wanted Stenhouse and, to, uh, to get his hand. That, that, that was tough. I was I was a little bit disappointed when I was I was sitting here in the studio watching, and you see the big one, and first thought is, what happened to Stenhouse? Is he all right? And uh, he was fine from a, a medical point of view, but he just mm. got clipped on that back right, and it was it was kind of tough to see. I was I was thinking he if he would have made it through that, he would have had a good chance to go back to back at Daytona. But alas, that's racing for you. Bogues, uh, 63 days till the spring game because the countdown always is on and you've got a lot of things going on. You've got a uh, countersuit from Tennessee and that is interesting. There was uh, some news on that yesterday and uh, first and foremost, gloves are off it looks like, looks like with the NCAA and their ability to govern some things you got the ea sports here's some money be on the video game news this week and uh oh yeah by the way matt rule made one and two not just one but two appearances at uh coaches coaching clinics this week our friends mark waller and jim hansen did the lincoln football coaches association uh wednesday they had rule and coop and Glenn Thomas out there. Well, the Omaha coaches clinic had uh, Coach White and uh, a couple of other coaches. I don't remember the exact names in Omaha, but Rule was there to say what's up, hang out a little bit, and then get in his car and go do the same thing. We were talking with Mitch Sherman about this earlier this week, but the dedication's great, and the talent pool keeps growing in uh, the state of Nebraska, outside the metro and inside the metro. Pretty uh, pretty cool to see the coaches and hear the coaches' response to, to Rule and what he does, and that's give him time, and give him time and just spend time with them. Yeah, I was actually <clears throat> just reading Mitch's, Mitch's story at The Athletic uh, b- before I came on. I didn't quite make it to the end yet um so <laughs> apologies if i if i missed something that in the, in the half that i haven't read but really good story you know uh, it stuck out to me it seems like kind of an obvious message when you stop and think about it but it's one i don't think you hear very often from from coaches um you know, according to to mitch's write-up you know rules out there saying we need to make football fun and and in an era where you're seeing decreased participation um yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But a lot of times, I think football classically, uh, not that it matters like what it was like in, in when I was in high school forever ago. But like, you know, it was kind of that rite of passage thing, the two a days thing where it's like, yeah, this has to be hard and you have to kind of hate it, which I think there's there's value in those things, certainly. Um, but if you if you want to kind of secure secure participation going forward yeah make it a little bit make it a little bit fun and i mean i think we're seeing that happen at nebraska too he's not just talk rules not just talking about at the high school level with that well here's a question in matt rules first 15 months on the job talks about making football fun obviously in reference to his players the guys in the team but has it been fun for you the fan people sitting at home watching on tv has matt rule made husker football more fun that's a that's a great question um and i'd be interested in in what the fans thought about that um because you know there's such a there's such a spectrum of uh 
people out there that for a lot of people, I think, uh, or maybe not a lot for definitely there was a section that was like uh, five and seven, a bunch of a bunch of close losses. This is kind of the, the same thing again. Right. That said, I think you'll there you go. Um, that said, I think you'll, you'll always give a coach kind of the benefit of the doubt um, in, in a year one scenario. So so for the people that were a little bit more willing to, to I guess, live with live with a couple of losses now. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it was fun, but it, it's interesting. Cause it's not like the, the, the no brainer answer to that would be like, yeah, they went eight and four, or they went nine and three, you know, uh, a, a kind of Bo Pelini type first year that definitely, I think would have been considered fun then. Mr. Cranack is with us, AKA punctual Pete. You're good. That was my we nickname were, growing up. That's, I'm sure we, we yeah. were, uh, for some reason, I don't believe that. No, we oh. we had computer problems at the uh, the home office, so we're good. Vogues is in with us. Vogues beat us here. We're talking about the topic. That of, is not of, good. When the guest beats you to yeah. your own show, you got to. Well, think. that's the that's the scope of the computer problems. So, yeah. uh, is football fun or making football fun a topic that we're on? Is is Matt Rule doing that? He spoke about it. Uh, the coaches clinics this week he uh, spent time out in lincoln and omaha and uh big red junkies nailed it with their comment just a little bit ago that winning is fun guys you know how much goes into football the fact that there's spring football the fact there's winter conditioning there's Summer conditioning. There's four practices and 80 walkthroughs and 400 meetings, and you get one game. <laughs> I mean, all the yeah. work you have to put in for it uh, for for 60 plays, 70 plays. If you're running hurry up, maybe uh, you get 75 or 80 plays, right? And there's only 11 of you. There's one quarterback. There's one running back. So. Well, did, did rule make football fun in year one? I think the defense was a ton of fun to watch. They were a lot of fun to watch. I loved watching them tackle. Uh, that also goes to winning the football. The defensive side of the football gave you an opportunity to win every Saturday for the most part. Kept you in about every ball game you were in. It's the offense that was not fun to watch. Uh, there, there were moments – where you hit a big play and that was fine. Unless you're like uh, a masochist or something, you know. They're... Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> you, you've, had, you've had just, all right, how are they going to score here? I mean, that, I don't know about you guys, but, oh, yeah, throw it deep to, to Malachi or, or, or Jalen. <laughs> yeah, or or let, let, let Harbert keep it on an option. Let it run. So one side of the football was absolutely fun to, to watch. The other side, they're working on it is my point, but rules attitude and communication ability makes this thing fun to cover again. Well, I think you are kind of hitting on the key challenge, not just for rule, but for, for football coaches in general. Um, and, you know, there's only a couple places in the country where maybe this, this isn't the case. And I think if that's, those are, those are anomalies, like broadly speaking, when you just lay out like, all the practices, all the off-season workouts, um, like just the sheer time commitment, all for the 60, 70 plays you get on Saturday. Like you got to really love doing that. And then when you think about it 
from particularly with Nebraska, which carries a larger roster size, how do you make that the case for 120 guys um, where it's everybody wants to come there? I think it's it sent me back to one of the first things Rule said about he just wants the guys to be around each other and, and like hanging around each other. I think that's probably the key way to do it. And, and you know, and that's tough to do to do, too, to get 120 people all to to like each other perfectly. But um, you get as close as you can. And uh, so I think, you know, it, a lot of what we've heard from Rule. Um, you can kind of see the philosophy behind it and, and it, and it just makes some simple sense. You know, and probably a part of it too, that you're not able to, he, he probably wouldn't say out loud, at least not right now, but right now the kids are getting paid for the first time in their lives. Something that they've obviously worked pretty hard on for, through junior high, through high school, just to get to this point. Now somebody's paying them for it with like some cool uniforms. <laughs> like It might be pretty easy. Not not easy, but pretty easy to get motivated to get ready to roll and have some fun with that. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, I hadn't thought of that angle to it, but that's that's a key piece of it too. Like, how many more people does does that keep involved? Because it's never gonna nothing's fun all the time. Of course, um, there are gonna be days <laughs> where it's like, uh, I guess we got to get up and do this, even though this is the thing I've worked my entire life to do. Um, and if you. <laughs> there, there are different ways to be compensated for that work and, and for the first time in NCA's long history, uh, actually being compensated as on the table. I, I was, you know, punk, punctual Pete was a little late today, surprisingly. So I don't know if we got into that yet. The NCAA, uh, the, the court ruling against the NCAA, which lifted kind of all limits on boosters. Have we gone there yet? We, to... we threw the, the line in the water. We were going to, to go that direction uh, yeah. for sure. Okay. I think we just got there. Yeah, I think we I did. Just, we did. I, I think it just steered us in that direction. I, I, uh, I have, so I have got uh, a moment of silence here for all the bag men Johnny Football called out this week on the Shannon Sharp podcast mm. because now you don't need them anymore. <laughs> no, they can just be open. They're they're that's a whole yeah. career, just a whole field of jobs down the drain. That's NCAA a football sk- bag man, man. It's like it's like the it's like the the, the wolf in uh, in Pulp Fiction. Listen, the, these the folks, ultimate fixture. They no longer have to live in shame and in the shadows. They can I would be say right shadow. out there front. Was, there was no shame. Well, obviously there wasn't any of that. And for folks that just don't that don't know, but it was. Uh, court ruling which said hey NCA which has been trying to regulate and trying to have some sort of order within NIL saying you can't, you can't take money from boosters or any or anybody like that until you sign your letter of intent and then once you do that you're free to do it NCA's like no or the court's like no that's not how the free market works like you know like and, th- and that's something that people forget you know as we're talking about all this is like free market society Free market society, free market society. Like you can't do insider trading outside of that. You know, you can't sell drugs outside of that. <laughs> you can kind of, you know, make money however from whoever. If somebody wants to give you money, they can. You better just report it and you better pay taxes on it. I mean, those are kind of the rules. So that's all lifted now. The, the, Brandon, there was a lot of doomsday commentary after that for the NCAA as an institution, which surprised me a little bit. 
is 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 that overblown like the demise of the entire organization of the NCAA or are you buying into that a little bit like this is sort of another another reason why the NCAA itself is going to no longer exist here and soon um i mean i don't i don't think it's quite the death blow that it was portrayed um in some cases in i guess my my thought is is this ruling is kind of residual from previous leadership at the ncaa uh where they basically waited until the night before the test to to do anything at all as far as nil you know that was that was clearly coming meaning they they waited for some sort of legislative solution to it <laughs> the federal government said now we're we're going to stay out of this one and and it was basically you know at that point nebraska's uh nil law went into effect that day there were a handful of others um and it was just it was like totally totally chaos there was there was nobody minding the store ncaa has come back in and is now trying to mind the store and essentially the ruling the other day was like no you still need to to get your stuff together and figure out what you're going to be i think the new ncaa president charlie baker um with his history as as a politician essentially maybe there's a chance that he can kind of plot a new course um but it's clear that everything that comes came to this point um they're still waiting for the nca to basically come up with its own solutions i guess is is what yesterday said to me my two cents on the ncaa and their authority or authority um is that they have for years printed money uh under the the nonprofit umbrella, even though they've been for profit, and uh, they have controlled the NCAA tournament. They've controlled all aspects. It took, you know, the the bowl coalition, or it took the college football playoff, you know, uh, breaking breaking off to t- to have their own rules and have their own um, arms around the money. So. And they have just continued to kick the can down the road concession wise so they can keep some of their properties and keep earning their money. That's it. They they have not cared until they've had to care about students, student athletes and, and money. And, and they have been very flimsy with their enforcement because they've not hired more people to be able to enforce. I mean, they've just tried to, to stay in power and they've conceded where they've needed to concede the last 20 years. And um, away you go. Uh, they're. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad they're they're going away. And is is the new boss going to be better? I don't know, but people are going to get paid. We'll see if this sport survives. So, okay, I think this is an important discussion, though. I, I know what you're saying, and the NCAA is like easy to vilify, to hate on. Sure, sure. But I just roll my. I guess, Cranek, we're in college, right? And you and I are starting out in this industry. And what was the big, oh, no? Well, they were going to they were gonna bench Crouch for a year because for they had a, a ham freaking sandwich. ham sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, totally. somebody down in the SEC is driving a 
Trans Am, <laughs> and he's playing every day. The okay, the but the thing the thing that gets overlooked a lot in this discussion, I think, the the NCAA exists at the at sort the of at the, of the pleasure of the universities, yeah. like and the presidents and the pre right, like they, it is a representative body that the schools themselves created to regulate themselves, right? So there's no... Se- so it's, there's so not it's, a- like, it's, it's like the Tobacco Institute in the movie Thank You for Smoking. It's the Tobacco Institute started by the tobacco companies. It's, I mean, that's what it is. So, like, the schools can be as critical as they want towards the NCA, which they opt into, right? Like, it's, it's, it's their legislative body it's their rules <laughs> right so like you're crit- you're sort of critic it's like i guess if you're in high school or something it's maybe you getting pissed at your student council or sure. it's or it's similar to like maybe as a voter you being like yeah congress pisses me off right like okay but it's your it's your vote. It's your government that's your vote mm-hmm. that's your thing so i i wonder if the ncaa's name is so soiled at this point. The brand is so like watered down and so universally disliked. You just kind of got to rebrand the thing because you're going to have man, some, you're going to have you some, need some governing body. You need some governing yeah. body. Yeah. But what, what do you at guys the pleasure want? Of the schools. Well, does it yeah, not what do you want feel, from a governing body standpoint? Does it not feel though? Like with the, the direction, like, like the, the lack of respect that the NCAA kind of gets from the, the college football media landscape and, and seemingly the teams, it almost feels like we're bound for, and we talked about Andrew Jackson on president's day and I'm going to go back to history. I'm a big history guy. I love it. Um, it was Andrew Jackson who famously, I believe it was uh, court justice Marshall, I believe. Uh, they made a ruling that Andrew Jackson didn't like, and he essentially said, uh, the courts made their ruling, now let them enforce it. I think that's a point we're going to come down to at some point in time, whether it's the, the Big Ten and SEC advisory committee, or maybe it's just a school, that eventually I think the NCAA is going to make a ruling, and someone's just going to say, eh, well, we don't like you, we're not going to listen to it. Like I feel like that's the direction we're headed in, despite the fact that, as Mark says, like... The, the schools are the ones that kind of made the NCA. They're the ones that, that set up the governing body. Yet it just feels like we're bound for a time that somebody is going to feel more powerful than the, than the NCA as a whole. And you think that's going to be SEC and Big Ten. They're going to say, all right, you've made a rule and enforce it. We're going to go play or whatnot. Right? Is, is that and you need us, bound? by the way, because people watch us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I think... I think the NCAA, while not perfect, uh, of course, broadly works for every sport except FBS football, where it really, that's even more of kind of a, yeah, we'll agree to to use your rules because we need somebody to write the rules and enforce them. But that's really kind of it. Um, and as college football already at the top level, at the top of the top level, um, I mean, we know, we, we see where this is headed. Between the Big Ten and the SEC, it already looks like very professional. And, and we're just barely into the the 12-team playoff era, the, the transfer portal era, the NIL era. So that I could see, you know, as power probably continues to consolidate, the Big Ten and the SEC basically be like, 
yeah, we're going to create, you basically be creating a new NCAA as, as to Mark's point, yeah. like everybody opted into this for a reason. It's because you need some, some regulation. Right. Could you do that for the FBS subdivision as a whole? Maybe it's a lot easier to do if, if you were talking about maybe the top 30 or 40 teams that are like, yep, these are, this is who we're going to hire essentially to, uh, create and police the sport. And, and that's what we're going with. Re- rebranded like players United or something like that. Yeah. Oh, this is great now. Yeah. It's clear what they stand well, for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and it, you, you, you would probably see if, if yeah. we got to a, a, an era where we're like, there's a subdivision above the football bowl, the subdivision, that's just the top 40 teams or whatever. You would probably see a players union type of thing because that's very important, you know, for, for the professional leagues. Now they don't have to worry about, you know, recruiting piece of it, which helps, but a players union becomes kind of your your check on on the rules that are in place. And that's kind of the, the story that you can combine with this this hmm. this court ruling from this week it was a couple weeks ago a court ruled that the Dartmouth men's basketball team was allowed to unionize as they were considered employees of the university which I don't ne- think necessarily got the run it was somewhat expected that that was going to be the ruling but I don't think that necessarily got the the national media attention that maybe it should for the the magnitude of the fact that a court ruled, you know what, this is, you, these guys are being uh, essentially treated as employees of the university, therefore they're allowed to unionize. That was a big ruling that kind of got swept under the rug. It's not a fun story, but it is really interesting in how it can shift the landscape of college football and college sports as a whole. Mm. Well, and yet Dartmouth, that's private, Ivy League, and away you go, but it's, it's you know, step one for... Exactly a bigger university and, and public university to, to go that route if they want. But, you know, we're on kind of a new frontier with where this world's going. And all we really want is give me a money 11 o'clock game. Give me a money 2.30 game. I need a 6 p.m. I need an 8 p.m. And I need an after dark. I need five to six really awesome games 12 times a year. Vie for a playoff spot. What's that? Why stop at 12? The, the NFL's that, figured out 17 with a smaller uh, roster. What's, what's that mean, path to the playoff look like where we're currently sitting as it looks more NFL-ish? And what's our roster and talent level look like? Can you compete to be in the, in the mix in November? <laughs> Can you be a top four team, let's just say, in the Big Ten? Year in and year out. Not every year is going to be a playoff appearance if you're Nebraska, but get to that point in time where you're you're, you're good enough to be. So that's 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 the here and now. But it's going to continue to you know zoom out and and grow. And if if you, if Nebraska has the ability to control their own finances, uh, recruiting talent evaluation, and then acquisition of said talent, now under new rules, good. This is back to the advantages Nebraska used to have when it came to strength and conditioning, being on TV three times a year, and not only uh, strength and conditioning, but the, the, the talent evaluation and acquisition. So Nebraska needs uh, an advantage They've got it now through their NIL and this court ruling if they want it. 
Brandon, would you say that? You remember, Brandon, when uh, we first were talking about all this, when NIL was first kind of being spoken of, and, you know, it transpired pretty quickly, I'd, I'd say, when all of a sudden it became real, July 21, I believe. Um, and, you know, Wild West, of course, right away. But at that time, when that came out, when, you know, the Big Ten's new TV contracts came out, uh, when the recruiting calendar and, and some of the recruiting rules were shifted around. Remember us talking about how, man, it really seems like all of these changes like truly benefit Nebraska and gets Nebraska back in the game. Well, here we are three years later, two and a half, I guess, two and a half years after these sort of tectonic shifts that kind of let the blue bloods get back in the game. Um, or drive them starting, out. Yeah. Are, are, are we, it, we're right. Are, are we starting to see that, though? You know, are we starting to see that with the level of talent Nebraska's able? Look at Riola. Um, are we starting to see that? Are we starting to see the fruits of – because this stuff wouldn't change overnight, of course. It's not like you just go from three and nine Mike Riley or whatever to Natty the next year. But are we starting to see a lot of these tectonic shifts benefit Nebraska, Nebraska taking advantage of them? Yeah, I don't know if I, I would say I see it yet. It might just be – it might be too early, but just to the talent acquisition part of it and thinking about it, not just from Nebraska, but broadly. And, again, it's only been, what, two, three, four recruiting cycles at this point. Like, is there a team that used to recruit, like, between 15 and 25th and is now the last three years has been in the top 10. I can't think of one like these teams. It's, it's really hard, I think, to kind of shake out of your traditional recruiting tier or zone. And, and even if Nebraska, you know, does benefit somewhat from some of these these changes in theory, I, I don't know that it's going to the change is going to be pretty slight, I guess, would be my point. Like. I don't, I don't see Nebraska because I, you know, it was ready to go and it's, it's a program and a athletic department that has, you know, almost essentially always operated in the black. Um, in one of our conversations with Trev Alberts, you know, he, he mentioned this and he's like, now that could be an advantage, like, uh, to be a program that is essentially stable, um, doesn't require, you know, doesn't rely on fees, all of these various things that could play into it, but at the end of the day, Nebraska is probably going to recruit like Nebraska mostly has. You can you can bump that up a little bit. And I mean, some of this makes me think of Matt Rule too. Like the player who's out there who's like, I'm taking these five official visits. Whoever makes me the best offer, that's where I'm going. I don't know how many of those guys even like end up on Nebraska's radar. Sort of for that reason. And I don't mean it's 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 a negative. It makes that that player you know a bad person. Uh, everybody's situations are different. I just don't know that it's the the type of guy that Wolf seeks out a whole lot. And I would suspect that will be the case continuing. We'll get to some Husker basketball in a minute. Brandon Vogel with us from Counter Reed, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. But I'm just you you said something there, Vogues, with with the answer about who who kind of just jumped on the scene and became good. Right? How did how did SMU do it? We, the second SMU reference uh, this week for us with Pony Excess. Right? They were sick of getting their ass kicked in the S, the Southwestern Conference, 
They put a payroll together. They went and acquired talent very illegally. <laughs> and they got amazing. They started winning ball games. They went 11 and 1, for God's sake. And then all their peers is like, dude, how are you doing it? Oh, that's right. You're doing it the way we're doing it, allegedly. And you're just better at it. So how do you get on the scene and then stay on the scene? Well, we know what SMU did. Old Miss under Kiffin and some of the other hits and misses before Kiffin, they've kind of stabilized as a top fifth, 10 to 15 to 20 program, right? They jumped on board. Colorado really built up under McCartney because they followed the Nebraska model. And, and uh, Oregon, because of the, the Nike backing and branding, uh, they were able to 23, 20, yeah, 23 years ago, finally, you know, get Uncle Phil to, to really go all in. So those are about three or four programs I think of that, you know, found their way to, uh, to, to, you know, the group A and stay. And you know what? It, it's interesting to see if Nebraska can can do that again uh, because of the history and the resources and the passion. I mean, all those ingredients are there. You just need someone to manage it and coach it. And it looks like the management side's there and it looks like the coaching side's there. So Nebraska can can be um, on that uh, that tier level again in short order. But uh, it, it doesn't happen – real often where you just kind of bang up here out of nowhere fellas uh with with this but the time is now to do it i mean this is your window it's open yeah i mean the the best example from a small sample size that we have of like what you can do now might be that texas a&m class that you know everybody was quick to say well i mean there was there were there was a system behind it that was scoring this but like the greatest recruiting class ever signed or the highest rated and that's one where you're like okay, that might just be like the impact of these changes. Texas A&M, a school with a fiercely devoted alumni base, um, a lot of money, and you can pay, you can you can get out there and be, be a competitor on a just financial front. And all of a sudden, Texas A&M, which I'm guessing is probably, probably averages like nine to 15 in terms of its mm-hmm. recruiting classes over its entire history mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's it's number one and and running away from the field um that's an example i think of like okay this is just different like you can do this different now and and i do think you know with jimbo fisher texas a&m obviously had other things going on too but say that say that happened to nebraska just like yeah they're a powerhouse and all of a sudden they got the second ranked recruiting class in the country it becomes one of those, I think, careful what you wish for type of things. Mm-hmm. Like so much of this, like, again, it goes back to kind of this range bound recruiting idea. Like Nebraska is always going to kind of be, uh, it's, it's not going to be Georgia, Alabama from a, from a talent perspective, I don't think. And if it suddenly became that, uh, does it, does it know, <laughs> do, do you know what to do with that? I guess mm-hmm. becomes the question. So, and that's an interesting topic too, because we, you know, the, the heyday that, you have to go back to when it, it was all clicking for Nebraska and they were the elite of the elite, mid-90s, right? Mid to late 90s, the most recent time that it was like that. It, you know, the talent level on Nebraska's team was pretty serious. Um, 
But would you say that it was still based on diamonds in the rough? It was still fit and, above and, all. And, yeah, fit and like uber development and just clinically precise coaching. <laughs> was that still kind of the diff- difference? Culture. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know I a couple of years ago like I that was kind of one of my chief obsessions in terms of research because there were recruiting rankings prior to like 2002 they were just scattered and you know it was a guy in Chicago doing them and a guy in Miami doing them and um, it 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 was harder to evaluate kids obviously at, at a level so Nebraska knowing like what Nebraska did recruiting wise under Tom Osborne in like terms we would use today, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to understand. So I think all the things you mentioned, Mark, were Nebraska's actual advantages, like to the best of my knowledge, and I've I've looked pretty hard for all of these ratings. Like I would say Nebraska was, it was higher in terms of it's like base recruiting level than what it's at now, but it was never, you know, one, two, three, four, five in the country. Like it wasn't Alabama of, of 1992, you know? Okay. So the development piece of it, kind of the curveball of, of how Nebraska played um, was, was part of it, but also like the quality of the coaching of not just the system, but how well they were able to run it um, were, were probably the big advantages, you know, once we get past strength and conditioning and all those things in the team that might yeah. best represent that. And Brandon, I know we got to get you out. We got Gary Sharp standing by in the green room, ready to jump in, but the team might, but that may best replicate that represent that now has been Michigan over the past couple of years. You look at their 2020 class, which had guys Blake Corum, Roman Wilson, uh, you had Zinter, you had Chris Jenkins, like a lot of players that were really featured in this year's championship team and last year's college football playoff team. That was a class that did not have any five stars, finished number 12 in the country in the recruiting rankings, depending on where you look. Like, not what you'd expect whenever you think of a a team that's winning the college football playoff, winning a national championship. You think of that being like a top five recruiting class. Don't get me wrong. Very solid recruiting class for Michigan, but it was about fit. It was about development, and you you see the results. That's kind of the school that represents to me how Nebraska kind of did it in the 1990s. Superior scouting as well. Superior scouting. Uh-huh. I mean, that also helps. Zinter's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. It's offensive guard spot, so you might not get that represented in an NFL draft, especially given his injury. But he was one of the best offensive linemen in college football for the past two seasons. Three-star recruit. Yeah, I would agree with that, Elijah. I think Michigan of the past three years is probably like – the ideal example of, of Nebraska three, four, five years ago. And what was that year six for Harbaugh that 2021. Um, so it, it takes a while and, and, you know, and that Michigan, you know, traditionally finishes ahead of Nebraska in, in the recruiting rankings. But to your point, like they weren't, they weren't Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama, like they weren't, they weren't quite that level. So it made uh and then it's, it's part of what made this this past national championship game so interesting is because both of those teams like totally broke all of the recruiting rules that we've come to kind of accept. And I have a, a thought here, and Brent, if you're willing to hang on, I'd love to get both your, you and Gary's thoughts on this kind of on this recruiting topic. Um, as we welcome the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp to the show, Gary, good morning. Good to see you. You're, you're missing out in the hat game, but I'll, I'll throw this question to you, Brandon. <laughs> we'll get you out on this. Do you think that, that given 
Matt Rule and his rebuild, what he's brought in in his first two recruiting classes, obviously the the crown jewel being a five-star quarterback, one of the top in the country in Dylan Ryle. Do you think that what he does over the next three to four seasons with these first two classes will dictate what his ceiling is as the head coach at Nebraska? Because you got to get it rolling quick, especially with the talent you've brought in to take advantage of some momentum if you do want to hop up a tier in those recruiting rankings and hop up and, and be one of the players in recruiting it. Because, Brandon, as you said, it's difficult to move up tiers in college football recruiting. You, you tend to be – you are what you are, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, you know, these the, in coaching tenures in general, I think those those first two recruiting classes, like – you and it's it's hard to know it's still too early to know at nebraska but like were you right in your evaluations um was your plan like what you actually then went out and executed in terms of how you're going to play and the type of players you needed those first two recruiting classes i think tell you and it's it's why it's important to have success early on um because then you don't you know if that success doesn't come then you you start reaching a little bit um or you can for for coaches and things get things get get difficult in a hurry i mean harbaugh like making his jump in what year six that doesn't happen very often a lot of coaches because a lot of coaches don't make it to six so Mm -hmm. those first two coaching two recruiting classes then become critical in like hey i'm going to be here four or five years to continue building on this Vogues, what's going on with counter read Tell us how to subscribe, and I know you spent uh, time in your Friday column on Husker Hoops. Yeah, um, that'll probably be a lot in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be it's going to be fun with the position Nebraska's in right now, but uh, never never a given with with the Huskers. So that'll amp up in the the weeks ahead. There'll be continuing some some football deep dives uh as well you can check that out at uh, counterread.com uh it's twice weekly newsletter you can sign up for free try it out for a little bit if you'd like and uh we'd also of course love to have anyone as a paid subscriber as well it's awesome Uh, i am a proud paid subscriber and it is just fantastic get my little newsletter uh as vogue said a couple times a week and always great uh, content and thought-provoking for sure and entertaining vogue you take care and enjoy your saturday man thanks guys have a good one appreciate you there he is the iron horse gary sharp with us sharpie what are you doing how are you how's the coffee no hat Uh, elijah pointed out good uh no hat uh i'm on the road i'm in kansas city are you are hats banned in kansas (laughs) um you know what i'm i'm traveling with a basketball team and they're not really a hat group Okay. Did you get the? Bring, I usually don't bring a hat on the road. Did you? Uh, did you make it to the majestic steakhouse last night, down in, uh, down in Power and Light? No, uh, we went to. I hadn't been there in a while. Uh, Buca de Pepo. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you get the family portions for a large traveling party, and you know, you mix in a little cheesecake at the end of the night and you're good. Do you plan yeah, on work. stopping by the World War One Museum while you're down there? I will absolutely always get up on a stump and praise that museum. One of the, the best in the Midwest, the World War One Museum. If you get a chance, you got to check it out, Gary. I don't know if you've seen that museum before. I, if you haven't, highly recommend it. I have. Uh, I've actually been there before. I'm a big uh, World War One and Two history buff. Same. So it's fan. It, it, hey. It's fantastic. We're uh, we're staying because we're playing Kansas City tonight. 
uh, UMKC's campus is located off the edge of the plaza. So we're down here in the plaza. Ooh, nice. You guys up for maybe starting another podcast, like a war podcast, yes. a world war podcast? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't know I didn't know we all had this in common. Me as well. I minored like, in history. Yeah. Oh man. No, I, yeah, we could do and everything. We we could go over some of the mistakes that were made in World War One and then what happened in World War Two. Then we can tie it back to Husker football and coaching yeah, changes. You know what? Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, was it over when Colorado beat Nebraska on Black Friday? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was. Hell some somewhere we need we need Bluto to go, hell no. Uh. There's there's some comparison with football that can be made with static warfare versus mechanized warfare and how Germany really screwed up. They didn't learn from World War One. World War One kind of showed, I guess, the beginning of World War Two that the static defenses of World War One weren't gonna work anymore. And then they tried to defend France with static what defenses. Was, like, what are we doing? What was Nebraska's moment uh, as they were welcomed? into the atomic age. (laughs) 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 Little Oppenheimer, Nebraska. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Hoops, Gary. This 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 podcast could work is all I'm saying. (laughs) We'll get to some basketball and uh, and, uh, Nebraska football thoughts in the NCAA. But we were chatting about this. You know what? What's the number you feel okay about for Nebraska basketball? Three and one, four and zero, oh, two and two, or talk to me Monday morning, or talk to me Sunday night about nine thirty with so uh, the numbers. Let's. Uh, so I've stopped. I've stopped looking at net rankings, Ken Palm, all of that stuff surrounding Nebraska. Just because, win. yeah, Nebraska has to take care of themselves. And they have, you can't worry about anybody else because Nebraska's resume is not bad. And mm-hmm. they, got a, they added a little bit on Wednesday night in Bloomington. Um, so I think Nebraska's in a good spot. I don't, I don't expect them like, to go 0-4. I'll tell you, tomorrow's game is going to be difficult. Minnesota yeah. looks at that game as a quad one game on the road mm-hmm. that there are ways away from getting into the tournament. But, boy, now we're starting to look at like double buys in Minneapolis and things like that. So I think Nebraska just 500 at least the rest of the way. Um, and, and, you know, I think they're in. I, I think they have a good enough resume that it's going to hold strong. Now, you know, again, two and two is probably the best case scenario uh, to make sure that you don't get into a tension convention. But you know what? Now, now you guys, this team, is, this team is, is different. You know, we're doing a lot of comparisons between the last NCAA team and that team caught lightning in the bottle you know, that last month of the season, and we all hopped on for the ride and how great it was on that final regular season day against Wisconsin. And then kind of a letdown, you go to Indianapolis, you lose to Ohio State after getting the double bye, and then the game against Baylor in the NCAA tournament. This team might be different. You know, it's it's you you they just went to Bloomington. Rick Mass got two points, and they won a game going away. I mean, that's, that's – He was this invisible. This, yeah. Yeah, this team's created a little bit differently where it's a different guy every night. They've had a drop-off of C.J. Wiltshire of late, but the Bryce Williams of the Worlds have picked it up. And then, of course, what Jamarcus Lawrence has done the last two games. I don't know. This is kind of turning into a fun little ride, and, and it may turn into a ride, guys, that if Nebraska if Nebraska is a double-buy team in Minneapolis, I think that solidifies that Hoiberg's coach of the year. It, well, and that is, that is so interesting, too, con- considering, you know, the talk coming into this year even. Uh, last year, like, Hoiberg's been on the hot seat. To go from that to almost the runaway coach of the year, it, it, you could you could maybe look at you could maybe look at Minnesota's guy 
you can look, look at Ben as yeah. maybe maybe yeah, being up there too because he was counted out I think, as well. I think the two guys coaching tomorrow are the two leading candidates to be coach of the year in the yeah. Big Ten. Yeah, it. Well, and what what I think you've seen with Nebraska this year, you know, even coming into it, we we had talked about this like not a crazy athletic team, right? Like. Yeah. You, and you, they, get you exposed, the they, get, they get exposed in certain games, which we've seen this year. You're right. Right. Like they, they don't have those quick leapers like Danny and yeah. used to talk about back in the day, uh, making the NCAA tournament. And you, you mentioned Baylor, the last team that Nebraska played where they got rolled. Different level of athleticism um, down in the post and some of the bigs. But you know what they do? You know what they are, though? They are super crafty super crafty like if you look at just sort of the the iq and kind of the deceptive sort of play styles of mast high iq really good passer case just never stops running and just just looking for every little bit of leverage that he can get uh bryce williams is sort of just like steady the whole time um they have quite a few Jawan gary is just like you want to tangle with him like Jawan Gary will knock you out. Like that's the that's the, that's the vibe he gives opponents. Like he's the intimidator. Nebraska's got some really interesting quality veteran pieces that it just seems like it's actually starting to starting to gel a little bit. And, and Gary, you being a guy that's around a basketball team a lot, it's fascinating, right? Like when you're around a a college basketball team because if they when there's a loss, I mean it is yeah. It is just like yeah. devastating to that team. It's devastating. And like the way that they come back from it is so important. Um, what do you see in just kind of chemistry wise, uh, cohesion wise from this Nebraska team, granted from a bit of a distance, but yeah. what, what are you seeing? I think they're connected with their head coach. You know, it, it took mm-hmm. it took three bad years before Sam Griesel and Derek Walker got together to really change Nebraska basketball, where I also think Fred took over his program. You know, he let other people dictate a roster and what was going to happen. And then he he took over the team. And I think they're connected with their head coach. You know, they don't ride the the highs and lows. Um, I think they're a very likable team. They play hard. Now, now as going back to a point you made, when they're when they're on the road and they're playing the Maryland's and the Illinois, um, you know, the athleticism, uh, the lack of athleticism for Nebraska. Uh, gets exposed, but but I'll tell you where Nebraska is best, and they've started to play better defensively. If you look over the last this three game winning streak, they're starting to get after it. Is I think when they communicate and they play hard, then I think they have a chance. When they stop communicating and all of a sudden the perimeter gets a little bit leaky and guys are draining threes, then all of a sudden it seems to go south. I don't know. This is a this is a fun team. You know, you, I, I think it's a, a team that's connected enough that does things well enough. That you could talk about, man, in a seven versus ten, if they get the right seven, mm-hmm. they they could possibly win a game. Now, I, I think they're exactly right where they should be, you know, like a nine, ten, eleven seed in the NCAA tournament. But they're they it's not like you're gonna look at them and go, wow, they have no shot when they play another team in the NCAA tournament. I think this team could find a way to win. You know, they just they they just do that this year. That's what you want in the NCAA tournament, too, right? You want yeah. you want a veteran group. That's what Nebraska's got. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the teams that are always the tough outs when you, yeah. you, know, you get your bracket and you're like, oh, wait, those dudes are all like fifth year seniors. Like, whoa, look yeah, out. Yeah, I think, I think one thing about the roster construction on this year's team um, is Fred last year saw the advantage of being old 
And so there's the adage in college sports now, especially with the COVID year, is to get old, stay old. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Nebraska, you know, outside of, of Bryce, has anybody that's one and done. So I think Fred's been able to retain, kind of take guys from being younger guys, which he isn't really prone to do. He's always been in his past. He likes the older guys. And if you're not developing soon enough, it probably move on from you. But he's been able to move some guys through the program where they're an older team. And I think we're going to see that in college basketball. A lot of the really good teams are older teams, whether they got, you know, fourth year or fifth year transfers, or they got guys that are sticking around college basketball because of NIL. And now they're in their third or even sometimes their fourth year. And, and Gary, whenever you talk about that, that age factor, the experience factor with this Husker basketball team, is it funny that we're still talking about like, man, two and two gets them in? Cause like, it's, it's Husker basketball fan natural reaction. I think to go to worst case scenario. Oh Yeah. And do you think that this team is, I don't want to say immune from that, but do you think that that experience factor and just how long guys have been playing college basketball gives them an advantage down the stretch here as, as they try to, to, to hold their spot on the edge of the bubble and, and make it into the NCAA tournament? I think so. And I think also the head coach has taken over. I mean, you can tell some of the things he says, how much it means to him to get this team to the NCAA tournament. He's not even thinking about, oh, you know, they, they said my job was on the line. I think it's just for him to validate what he's doing is get to the NCAA tournament. Now, the other thing, guys, this team isn't losing much to next year. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're basically in a two-year window here where if they pop this year, man, you, you don't know who you could attract for a spot that's open next year, you know, a spot or two, but you're in a good, good area. I, I think it's just – it's kind of turned into a fun season. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we rack our brains because that's what we do, Elijah. You know this as a Nebraska mm-hmm. basketball fan – Damn, you run the the roller coaster. You're waiting for that gut punch. We're waiting for that 0-4, the bottom to fall out, and they go one and done in Minneapolis, and they're subject to the NIT. That's kind of what we do. But, you know, it's one of those things like the Nebraska basketball fan keeps coming back because there are so many reasons, even more than football, to say, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. But people still come and keep coming back, and this year, you know, we're getting val- uh, validated for it. I, I, like tomorrow. I think tomorrow is going to be an incredible atmosphere. I think it's going to be a great game. But it shows you it's 530 on a Sunday in late February. Nebraska is still alive. And there's a reason they built Pinnacle Bank Arena, to have the place packed like it will be on a late Sunday afternoon. And Nebraska has something on the line. And we're, we're talking about a program that since they fired Danny Nee, they've been to the tournament one time. Danny Nee just didn't get fired yesterday. No, no, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Hail Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, we, we had quite the uh, discussion about, um, you know, the next brave new world of college football with the NCAA, Ooh. right? I mean, it was a little deep. It was a little jarring, quite frankly, this early for all of us in, in the morning. But it was, it was good <laughs> to hash out with how you can climb the ladder and you can climb the ladder now with a bankroll and a fan base, and that's music to Nebraska fans, yeah. right? Because of uh, the passion. Now you got a coach and you got an AD. You, you combine it, good things can happen. But you know, I think Rule has his ways of continuing to to eye talent, develop that talent, and then acquire the talent. But it's going to be a, a specific guy. Do you agree with that? It's going to be as he would put it, one of us. Well, I agree, because let me, let me ask the three of you something real quick. If Nebraska wanted to go the way of buying a roster, do you think they could pull it off? Totally could, but it, but it better work 
the first time out, you better not screw it up, right? Where well, you can't come back to those investors and and not deliver a playoff appearance. I and I think to me the the question is, could they buy a roster? Yes, could they buy it to the level that Texas A and M did under Jimbo? No, probably not. There's there's levels to it. Yep. Hmm. I I they they could pull it off financially. I think there's enough money to do it. But I, I just think the I think culturally it's a it's not I don't think ethanol and beef money is the same as oil money. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, no, you're, no. You're, you're fair. You're fair. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. I, I just think it's a little it's a little I think this this southern US is different than the Midwest yeah. and it's just I don't know how you, how you go about doing it's important. So I, I think that's the thing that kind of Schmitty you're alluding to and, and what you guys were talking about earlier. And this is where I, I think Matt Rule, um, you know, who who might be outside of Mike Riley since T.O., the one head coach here that really likes being the head coach at Nebraska. I didn't think uh, – Frank liked being the head coach in Nebraska, but he didn't like everything that went with it. I think Riley likes everything that comes with being the head football coach at Nebraska, or Rule does. Um, Boy, isn't this goes, fun? This and I think that goes a long way. But but here's something, you know, like there's so much pressure at Nebraska. What what are we, four of the last five head coaches at Nebraska have had a losing year in year one? And some of those coaches then all of a sudden changed, like how they went about constructing a roster. You could honestly say that from the day that rules started in November of 22 to February 24th of 2024 – his roster construction idea has been exactly the same. He knows that he is sitting on some cash, but he's very selective, more on retention and reward. And he's had a plan to build a roster and he hasn't deviated. And man, I think at a place like Nebraska, when you get knocked off the mark and all of a sudden you're five and seven and you go, boy, we got to win. You get a little, you get a little bit off of your, your values and your morals and what you want to do. And I think that's where Nebraska could be in a better spot right now for like this like three, four-year stretch is the roster construction mentality is exactly the same as it was when he stood up in the Hawks Championship Center. And that's not easy to do, I think, in a place like Nebraska when you go five and seven or you realize, man, these people want to win so bad. Hmm. That's an interesting point, though, you bring up about <laughs> – first guy that actually enjoys being the coach outside of Riley who just enjoys life and, and a yeah. nice bicycle ride downtown. And, you, you, and maybe have a good, a, you, know, uh, you have a good Riley impression, by the way, you've been working on that. You've been workshopping yeah. that. I, I, well, I, I, isn't this fun? You know, Hey, let's go out but, there. I, yeah. But I also I, think another part of what you, you said, and, 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 and I don't mean to cut you off, Mark is there's, there's, the, I need the, to work the, on the impression. The, the fear of failure has really driven rule. There's really – look at the guys that have been hired at Nebraska. Frank was off of a, of a staff that had won national championships. Callahan just needed a friggin' job. And he was like, Who, what is this 402 number? Hello? Oh, okay, I'll be the coach. Then, yeah. you know, Bo had, had, Bo had left here, came back. He was on a nice little run. Then you had Mike Riley, who was also – 402 hello uh and then you had scott frost who had had all kinds of success coming in here rule really is one of the rare guys that had just really a bad taste in his mouth in his previous job 
And I think that mm-hmm. drives him. And then you combine all that together, and that's why I think Nebraska's, you know, in a good spot before they get to play in where it matters the most, and that's games ahead of year number two. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I think Rule is also just quietly just shaking his head like, see, as Carolina continues to kind of flame out. Oh, yeah, he's, he's being val- – <laughs> he's being – it's post yeah. post Matt Rule. He's being validated for what a mess it was in Carolina. But, you know, most people are going to look at your record and go, man, you weren't a very good football coach. Then they're going to look at the first year at Nebraska and go – what happened in November? You know, and you hmm. can't say, well, you know what? I worked for a terrible owner in Carolina, and we just didn't get it done this year. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's more looking at, you know what? I, I, I have something to prove to myself and to prove to other people um, that I am still that football coach that was in Waco, Texas not too long ago. Well, Gary, I want to reset this question that I asked Brandon as we got him out with you. Did the first two, two recruiting classes under Matt Rule, what he does with them over the next three to four years, does that determine what his ceiling is at Nebraska? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I know Brandon's response to it, and I really like that discussion. Uh, I think it's I, – I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be milly mouth on this because what did they do with Dylan Riola's recruitment? Like – Dylan, R- Dylan Riola is not only benefiting the class of 24, but is he going to benefit the class of 25? Is he going to benefit the class of 26? So that's the kind of game changer. So I think it's, I think it's tough to, to make a determination. I will say this thing about Nebraska's recruiting. So I had this discussion with Bo when Bo was the head coach. Because if, if you went into Bo's office or, or kind of their war room back then, they would have the entire roster up on a board. And, you know, they, 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 they didn't really have them separated by class. Like, here's the freshmen, here's the sophomores, here's the juniors. And Bo looked at roster construction as free agency in the NFL. We could just go year by year. I look now mm. at what rules staff is doing. They are looking at it as a four or five-year spread out. So this year we need offensive linemen. Let's get the best of the best then we'll be okay next year. We still need some offensive linemen, but we don't need to just keep stockpiling. And I thought that's where Scott got in trouble is they were so lopsided at position groups because they didn't look at it as the big picture. They looked at it from year to year. And I think Rule looking at it as the big picture of four to five years instead of treating it like free agency on how to build a roster where your position groups get lopsided and you have way too many upperclassmen, not enough underclassmen, um, I think that also bodes well. But I, just to back to your point, Elijah, I think I'm going to wait because I think they're going to get – if Dylan does what they think he's going to do in year one and then jumps in year two, I think he recruits and completes some classes and then maybe neutralizes what you've done in the first two because he opened the doors to go after players that you weren't able to get to early on. It, it, you, real quick, you bring up the 2022 okay. class. Just real quick observation, Chris, and then continue. You bring up the, the 2020 – Three class, I'm sorry, um, rules first. 28 commits, and that includes transfers too. But just a quick cursory check, you had 15 hits in terms of contributors out of that 28. That's pretty good. Of course, it doesn't include like Judy, MJ Sherman, Billy Kemp, you know, some of the transfers that you did get something out of, but also a lot of the younger dudes too. So 15 out of your 28 year one, you're getting something out of that's promising sign but continue chris my bad no no you're good and just there's 
there's a nice mixture and let me know what you guys think of this of, of the urgency because no one's waiting for you to get better but also the patience and and rule yeah. kind of laid this out with the the, the reese davis podcast about let's just set the culture in year one and that's the most important you know cement pouring uh, the concrete right the foundation and then let's see where we're at and then all right year two let's let's make a jump with eyes on the future and um the organizational pie side of this sharpie i think is what's so good the guys know what to look for with football talent and they know how to get that football talent better the way they practice he also pointed that out but this plan um needs to come to fruition but there's a lot of confidence in it. And I wanted to kind of get your take on his approach to Raiola, where he seems very matter of fact with, let's just see where the kid's at and not, not, um, not ruin him by putting all these expectations on him. <laughs> no, I, you know, you have to walk that fine line. Because yeah. I think he knows what a bonanza it could be if Dylan is everything that, you know, we hope he can be, but you also know that you have a kid who, you know, you, you don't want to overwhelm, but then here's the thing, guys, like we've had a chance to watch Dylan for what a month, month plus Um, he's ready for this moment. So I don't know that you have to shield him. I think you say, Hey, this kid's been around this all his life. He's ready for it. And we just let it rip. Um, I will tell you the the feedback from all of their winter conditioning has been very positive. He's somebody who's not afraid to interject his voice. Now he's in a he's in a room with quarterbacks where there aren't a lot of guys in there, and there's not a lot of like veteran guys. But I've mm-hmm. heard that you know in terms of when he's he when he's around the wide receivers, man, he is organizing them, and he's saying, hey, this is what we need to do when they're when they do their throwing sessions. So. I don't know. You, you kind of it's a balance of we got this quarterback that we've never had at Nebraska. He needs to be good for us. We want to help him along, but we're also like you know, he's ready for this moment. He's embraced it, and we'll see when adversity hits how we you know how we adjust to the jump to college. But everything you've heard is he is fit in well and he's very likable uh, among his teammates. And you know, it's a kid that they have to move at basketball games due to security reasons, because you have so many people lining up to get his autograph that it's competing <laughs> the, the view of the other people around him. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. And you and- just and you, and you, you do this, guys. You go, fingers crossed, that a hype player at Nebraska at least lives up to it. Because mm-hmm. we've seen this before, and at some point during their career, they get derailed. Well, in I think he's coming in – it's a different situation than when the keys were handed over to Adrian, which was, there was so much kind of missing and wrong. And it was just kind of like, you know, he had to shoulder a huge burden when, but when you think about it like this guys is, and it sounds simpler than it really is, but aren't we kind of talking about like, if Nebraska can, if Raiola can turn it over one last time, and find one more touchdown pass per game. Nebraska's nine and three, <laughs> right? Like, 
it's not the, the margin isn't huge. You don't need this guy to bail you out of every situation. Like you need him to just hit maybe one of those deep balls that Nebraska missed last year, and you maybe also need him to not throw a pick in traffic, which happened pretty routine, or in the red zone, which happened so regularly last year, right? I mean, isn't it really just finding a couple, having a couple plays? Chris is just attacked by a German <laughs> Shepherd on the screen, by the way. Uh, wow. Uh, Chris, that was great. I wish we could run a replay. You can't even hear us right now. His headphones are unplugged. Oh, that was the best. But hey, but like Riola, Chris takes the hit. Chris takes the hit and he stands in there and he keeps broadcasting. It's just now, now we're good. Oh, his headphones yeah, are okay. all busted up too. Oh. oh, he look at how upset he is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, but, but, oh, but honestly, wow. what, oh man. <laughs> so people that can't see this, Chris's headphones just the fell German apart. strikes again. <laughs> yes. That's my how this goodness. show's gone from the computer crashing before we start to now Schmitty being attacked by a German shepherd. What a Saturday morning show. This is fantastic. <laughs> Attack of the Germans, name of the show. I don't know. That's um, hilarious. That's but wrong. The, the war history we're talking, that works. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know. Blitz so you guys from... were both talking about something amazing. Yeah. What What did I miss? Well, just talking about, you know, Adrian Living Martinez to the had to kind of had, had to bail out. You know, he was the representative of bailing out just a lot that was wrong with Nebraska football. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seems like now... Nebraska doesn't have these glaring, glaring, ridiculous issues. You know, they, they're, for the most part, pretty sound in, in most positions. And out of the quarterback room, you need, what, one less turnover and one more touchdown pass, yeah. and you're 9-3. and three. Well, here, sure. here's – you're, you're, you're in the mix, at least, we've, for a win. We've, ta- we've talked about this before. This is where, kind of to, to answer this question, is – Look at how Nebraska's constructed their roster once they knew Dylan was in. Okay? We got to protect him up front. We also, we got to get a guy that he can turn and hand the ball off to when we want to run the football. And then let's get him some weapons on the outside. So let's take the onus off. He's got to win every game for us. And let's, before he gets his you know feet set on the ground in college football, let's have options. So it's not always the quarterback that's got to make a play. Let's work, let's recruit ourselves and develop ourselves into options that we can have a true one wide, number one wide receiver that when the ball is in first and goal in the red zone, everybody in the stadium knows the ball is going to that wide receiver and he goes and makes a play. Let's find that guy. Maybe they found it with Banks. Nayor looks like he's he's back to what we saw at Wyoming through the you know the six weeks of winter conditioning. And then let's get guys up front to block and then let's get a running back that can run downhill. And then you know what? When we need 15, or I'm just saying that's you know the number they might wear, mm-hmm. when we need that, he's there to make a play. I mean, that's the he's... way to do it. Instead of, instead of going, hey, Adrian, oh, my God, you're coming in here. This is my first year. Um, just can you save us? It is the ideal. I think Mark or Elijah brought it up. It is the ideal situation for a young quarterback to come in to a program that is off of five and seven, that has pieces and a schedule that can help you in your first year, and you've got a brand-new quarterback coach. It really all kind of lines up for Nebraska. Hmm. It's, it's perfect, and when we talk about delivering on the hype, 
I mean, the, the last guy that really did and it took a coaching change was Sue, right? I mean, Sue was that yeah. that 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 game changer on the interior and, and then Bo and Carl did their thing with him. Sharpie, I want to get your take here on Husker baseball uh, as you uh, last weekend to digest. Uh, could have been two and one, could have been better, but you saw some signs. Will didn't panic. They've uh, gotten out to a 2-0 start against Grand Canyon, who still is a, a team above 500. But uh, you, you saw Christo probably yeah. look as good as he's looked uh, in, a, in a long time with the, the Thursday night game. Uh, Nebraska got their whooping sticks out uh, with an 11-2 win last night. They got to keep the, the, the foot down on the pedal today, but – no, do you, do you get a different vibe early from this baseball team? A confidence, a talent level, the, the Childress effect? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm asking what your observations I, are so far so good. I think, and Mark will agree with me, if you look at their starting pitching over the first five games, that's mm-hmm. Rob Childress. you got to mm-hmm. throw strikes. I mean, look at Clark on Sunday against Oklahoma. He didn't throw strikes. He wasn't there very long. Yeah. These guys are throwing strikes. They're working quickly. They're attacking the zone, and I think the starting pitching has been pretty good in four of the five games. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I said the other day, I like guys. It's too soon to say this is kind of an important series for Nebraska. You know, they went one and two. They went one and two, and I thought there were more positives than there were negatives. Mm-hmm. And you also played some good competition, so it's easier to judge where you're at. And then Will made a comment earlier this week that he thinks this could be a great team, and you went, "Well, this might be kind of early because this is a team that Augie Garrido is going to fall in love with." You know, a small ball team that steals bases, put down bunts. They don't hit 97 home runs as a team like they did last year. But, gosh, the first two games, you can't overlook. That's an impressive start out there. You're right, Schmitty. Grand Canyon was 4-0. They're an NCAA team. And Nebraska's gone out there. And because of their starting pitching, give them a a shot. The bats have woken up. Uh, Karen yesterday, a couple of home runs. I don't know. It's kind of... There's so many unknowns about this team, but I think we're starting to figure it out through five games that this team's going to be uh, – there might be something special there, and it starts on the bump. Yeah, and what they're getting out of that starting pitching I, – I don't have all the box scores in front of me, but just from recollection, I think you're getting – I think you've gotten at least five and a third out of all your starts. And then except out of those Clark. starts, you're – except for Clark, yeah. where did he go? Like four or something? Clark went no, uh, two, and, two and change. Yep. And did he get shelled, or is he, or is it just they, sort of they, like they, they didn't tried, get shelled? He just he couldn't he he was all over the place. They tried to pull him before the shelling. Okay, the shelling was three walks. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. Now it's early, but you've gotten two quality starts out of Sears. Um, you know, two really good starts out of him. Um, and he works fast. He's a pace guy. Um, good tone setter. Players like to play around pitchers like that. Um, and then Karen, you know he. I don't know if he was – he was kind of nursing a little bit of an injury some last year, I believe, because talent-wise and the way he swings it, 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 you you expect him to have two home run games. Like, if you see him up close, yeah. dude, he's built he's built like a linebacker and he can – I mean, he generates some bat speed. Um, it, it, it's a pretty solid team right now, Gary. Is it kind of like most baseball teams where – Okay, that's great. You can get your good starting pitching. You can manufacture some runs, but you got to figure out your your setup and your closer guys. And 
it might take a little bit for Nebraska to land land that, right? Or and, and is that really the difference that Nebraska has to figure out? Because when they've gotten in trouble so far this year, it has almost exclusively been six inning and past bullpen. Yeah, I you know I think it's uh, it's still pretty early um, to figure things out, and but 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 I, but you know I don't know. It just they have a different vibe. It's uh, you know you look at the couple of games that they lost in Arlington. I mean, they were right there, and they kind of had the same, you know, the same finish against Texas Tech and also Oklahoma. I don't know. It's it's refreshing um, that we don't have to talk about pitching. Well, like, we don't have to talk about guys walking and you know guys not throwing strikes and all of a sudden you got runners all over the place. Um, I don't know, but but here's the thing: is you want to win a series, so you win today or you win on Sunday, you win the series two and two and two. Eh, then you're like, eh, you lost the last two games of the series. See how that how baseball is. Um, mm-hmm. So if they can win the series and 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 get another good performance out of Walsh today and then maybe get Clark some confidence tomorrow, boy, two weeks, I think you have to say, man, I, I think Nebraska baseball is ahead of schedule this year. Well, Gary, you talk with about a lot the, of un, with a lot of unknowns still out there. You talk about the vibe. The vibe that I get on this team early is it's a team that really exemplifies its coaching staff. And when you look at the coaching staff, a lot of years of experience, a lot of good baseball knowledge. You have a pitching staff, as you kind of laid out, that throws strikes, gets it across the plate, trusts the defense, and competes. That's Rob Childress for you. And then offensively. It's more akin to what Will Bolt has done in his baseball career, where it's guys getting on first any way, any shape or form, just getting there. You're advancing to second, whether it be on a pass ball, on a stolen base, whatever you're doing, you're advancing into scoring position. Uh, they're, they're playing small ball, they're bunting guys over, and then you get timely power. That's like what Will Bolt has made his career on as a baseball coach has been that style of offense. I think the offense represents him. I think the pitching represents Rob Childress. And I think when you combine those two things, the two dudes that have been in and around the game of baseball for a long time had a lot of successful baseball teams. I think that only means good things for this Husker baseball squad if they can exemplify their coaching staff. Don't you think it's also promising, guys? They have a lot of new faces that are playing together for the first time. Isn't it like 24 of the 40-some? or I think new? it was 29. 29 of the 40 had never appeared Ooh. in a Nebraska baseball game before. That so if you're going to do that, that, if you're going to turn your roster over, you got to hope that it, it pays off quickly. And I don't know. I, I think they're, they're, they're fun to watch. It's not, it's not taxing. And I know it's just two weeks <laughs> into the season and we're, you know, we're a ways away, but man, there have been some early season will bolt weekends where it's taxing to watch them play. And you're like, wow, this is the same old, same old. Well, I think it's a little different this year. And that's, and that's, we talk a lot about Childers. We probably need to give credit to will of having the, you know, the, the confidence to let Rob run the pitching, bring Mike Sirianni in. They get a lot of attention. I'm still the head coach of the program. And look at they're, you know, they're five games in, they're three and two, and you could make a case that they could have four wins, maybe even five. Well, Will's comfortable enough with bringing in some really good baseball minds and, and not being threatened by that. And it just it takes someone like Will to to make the tweaks and adjustments. And he made some hard decisions, Gary, to, yeah. to kind of not only with the roster and, and the new faces, but also the, uh, the staff decisions. So you got hoops tonight. Are you uh, making it back in time for uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, the, elim- the elimination game? Yes. Yes. Uh, I know they're, uh, they're not a sponsor, but uh, there's a, uh, 
Nice little drinking hole across the street from PBA, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Anybody wants to get together? I will see you there. All right, 4 o'clock tomorrow. You Deal. know where we're going to be. That'll work. That old, that old, that old 76ers. <clears throat> uh-huh. Right, yeah. <laughs> Love those guys. Absolutely, we do. A lot of NCAA tournament uh, watch parties there. Unfortunately, hey, gonna not be, for Nebraska. It's going to be a game played at uh, the 25th of February tomorrow. Look at how many people will be wearing shorts. Yeah, there'll be people wearing shorts in the rail yard and then in PBA tomorrow. Yeah, say, I'm not sure you, I can make you down for a beer. I might be out on the, the soccer fields playing some pickup soccer if all things go to plan this weekend. So, oh, don't gee, give me that, Gary. Soccer. During foot during during uh, Nebraska Minnesota basketball, you can't be doing pre-game, that. Pre game. We'll be done by tip off. Pickup hey, soccer. Should, I, I I probably shouldn't roll my eyes. I'm I'm sitting in a city where Sporting KC kicks off tonight in Houston. And the women's professional soccer team, the Kansas City Current, have this incredibly beautiful stadium uh, right down by the uh, downtown, right down mm. by the water. Hey, before the World mm. Cup comes to the United States, get into soccer now. Well, I, yeah. I, 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 am, I am going to come back to the city in 26. I think if the World Cup is that close to Nebraska, you have to make yeah. an effort to go see it. Yep. Regardless yeah. if the U.S. is playing or not, I don't care. Just to say I went to a World Cup game. All right. I'm signed. I'm signed up on like the ticket thing where you know you're, you're going to get access to tickets, lottery system. I'm assuming. I just hope it's like Argentina and Italy and Spain and like you know some legit teams. I don't, don't give me like. Well, come it, on, don't give me like New Zealand and. If I remember correctly, this is the World Cup with the expanded field, so you're going to have some more teams that you might not know a single person on the field. But like, nah. I, I want to see England. I want to see France. Italy, I could care less about. Sorry, Italy. Uh, would love to see, as you said, Argentina. F. Messi makes it for another World Cup. Br- Brazil, Colombia. Like, bring me some teams that got some stuff to them. Oh, I don't like, care. Give me are, you, are you just rattling off countries that you visited? N- no, no. I just want to see, you know, teams that have, you know, have have had superstars in their heyday. Okay, here's what. Or here's still one. have them. Here's one. Go check out South Korea. Fun fan base, fun team. It could be fun. They, they just played really well in the Asian Cup, and we'll see what they look like in two years. South Korea could be a fun team to watch in the World Cup if you get a chance. Okay. Okay. Is, is the U.S. going to have their stuff together? I just feel like it's, you oh, know, oh, we're, people get the, – the, the USMNT gets, you know, handily criticized. The problem with the criticized. U.S. men's national team is they fired their coach and then couldn't find anybody better, so they brought him back uh, with, with Burhalter. I that's a, a weird situation. I don't know if he'll still be the coach for the World Cup. Oh, they are. brought him back. Yeah, it, it was very <laughs> strange. Um, they nice put a, they, they put an interim head coach in place, and then they just brought him back, which was one of those things that made me go, "Oh God, it's, it's U.S. <laughs> so they're a mess. team." But hey, how but, about that? How about that John Walker <laughs> extension? Talent, talent yeah, wise, it works. Talent <laughs> wise, the U.S. men's national team. It's a golden era. This is the the best conglomeration of talent the u.s men's national team has maybe ever had they just got to put it all together who are the okay who are the two guys we got to know christian Pulisic, who are the two guys Gio okay. Reina. which claudia reina's son yeah and there was some, and there was a whole there was a whole yeah. controversy with that whole thing right and that's one reason why the coach got fired right is because of like favoritism and something he was really soccer like it was like a really so it was like basically perfect, claudio reina came in and was trying to Trying to to go, I was. Oh, I can't say that. I I can, but I won't. He was he was trying to go power play to get his son more playing time, and the coach was like, no. So he just benched him for the entire World Cup back in twenty two, and it, it was not good for the team. It was like perfect soccer pretentiousness, like playing out. You know, it just 
Who? Dude, what team like, flops what are we the best? Talking about? <laughs> what up. are we talking about? Shut up. No, I'm serious. It's Mexico. Like, I mean, it's absolutely Mexico. All right. I can't wait to watch Tomanaga tomorrow. How about Brennan? How about Brennan? How about Brennan in the stream right now? <laughs> well, that's it. That's the end of the show. As soon as he goes soccer. As soon I as love he goes it. soccer. Hey, I, we'll, Chris, uh, about to bail out. Team? Dude, Chris is a this is my guy. No, Chris is bailing out. We will talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Uh, with the weekend edition of Hail Varsity. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Sharpie, we love you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Brandon Vogel. Uh, thanks to Elijah for getting the uh, the computer up and running, even though people, a couple of minutes late. The people have spoken. Yeah, they hate soccer uh, talk. That's okay. I, I understand it's not, not for everybody, but hey, if you can't get hilarious. behind the U.S. men's national team, that's on you. Uh-huh, yeah. It is. We're not going to spend any more time. I love the U.S. Oh, you want to talk about? Okay. I'm going to head out. You guys can keep on doing your thing if you want. We don't want to talk about the, com- to... the complexities of the 4-3-3 and compare it to playing three at the back. Like, Don't care. That, that's the question with the yeah. national team. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm yeah. Done. Both of you can enjoy your soccer time. Cranach, let me know if you're coming down from Minnesota. Okay, I will. I Football camp. I don't know if I can make it. Not for me. I'm not playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, don't worry about Elijah, that. If you want to put off some pickup soccer and come on down. It's all good, but uh, all good. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity YouTube. What was that, Mark? Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow. And uh, good stuff today with uh, Hail Varsity. Back at you Monday at 4. Thanks for tuning in. I mean, pick up soccer? <laughs> <laughs>